everybody, and welcome to this, the 21st episode of Teen Titans Wasteland, a podcast that talks about the Teen Titans comic book from the old times. I hope you're having a nice time. I'm having a nice time. Why not? Let's get down to some Titans talk. Oh, synopsis. Err. Putting sneakers on your hands, you got high top wrists. Ooh, it's a synopsis. Synopsis. Teen Titans number 18, December 1968. Written by... What? Len Wein and Marv Wolfman. That's not Bob Haney's name. And drotted by Bill Drott. With a cover by Nick Carty, so there's some continuity. Teen Titan Roll Call. Robin, Kid Flash, Aqualad, Wonder Girl, and introducing Starfire. But not that Starfire. Eye of the Beholder. Some blonde guy who is probably a government official has summoned the Teen Titans to Stockholm, Sweden, which we are told is the teenage capital of the world. Good to know. It seems that an international jewel thief named Andre LeBlanc has been on a bit of a crime spree lately, stealing jewels in both the US and the Soviet Union. He has now targeted the crown jewels of Sweden. Whoever the hell the blonde guy is, he'd like the Titans to team up with a super-powered Soviet team named Starfire, no relation, who has tangled with LeBlanc before. Starfire got his powers when he and his dad found a spaceship that had crashed in Siberia. Naturally, he climbed inside and started poking buttons. One of the buttons went off and gave him generic superpowers, which is to say, he is now fast and strong. He is also of the opinion that Russians rule while Americans, on the other hand, drool. The Titans naturally feel otherwise. This is a cause of some friction. The teens stake out a jewel mart, which I assume is some kind of a Swedish diamond convenience store, figuring that LeBlanc will probably try a practice robbery before his big score. They figured right. Unfortunately for the young heroes, they do not work well together, and LeBlanc throws stuff at them and kicks them before making his escape. Starfire blames the Titans, and the Titans blame Starfire. Oh, what a mess. They almost punch each other, but then decide not to. Phew. The next day, LeBlanc sends a letter to Interpol, which I guess is who the blonde guy works for, taunting the teen do-gooders and confirming his plan to steal the crown jewels that night. Starfire gets lippy with his American, and Atlantean and Amazonian, counterparts, and they take umbrage and storm off. That night, the Titans split up, each guarding a different jewel. LeBlanc hits the jewel that Aqualad is guarding first, trapping the marine teen in an air duct. Embarrassing. The felonious Frenchman next targets Kid Flash, trapping him in an electronic beam that is somehow connected to dynamite, which will explode if the speedster moves. Up next is Robin. LeBlanc kicks him in the face and rigs it so that if he escapes, a chandelier will fall on him. Snap. Finally, he ties up Wonder Girl with her own lasso and jams one end of it in an electrical outlet, claiming that if she gets out, it'll kill her somehow, I guess. I don't know. He has a ridiculous accent. It's tough to tell exactly what he means, but he is definitely being a dick, that's for sure. The accented asshole makes his escape into a nearby subway tunnel. But good news. Starfire has been following LeBlanc the whole time and has freed each Titan from their respective death trap. Hooray! LeBlanc kicks a bit and throws a grenade, which Wonder Girl catches and throws back at him. Kid Flash and Starfire save each other from getting hit by a train. The villain throws the jewels down the sewer for some reason, but Aqualad retrieves them. Then Robin beats the crap out of LeBlanc and tells him to grow the fuck up. Apparently somewhere in there, Starfire and the Titans became BFFs, and later at the airport, Starfire gives a little speech about how this adventure taught him that everyone needs to learn to get along, despite their differing ideologies, in order for mankind to survive. Really? Because mostly what this adventure taught me is that I miss Bob Haney. 
Joining us once again is my good for many things brother, Corey. Hello, Corey. Hey, Hub. So, what'd you think? I enjoyed the artwork in this, possibly more so than the writing of this. Yeah, I miss Bob Haney. Yep, I miss Bob Haney too. However, the villain is pretty awesome. I see... He's okay. In my mind, he is like a C-minus Batrock the Leaper, who is a uh, Marvel villain, who has also a really good French accent. Mm. You just like him because he has a French accent, I think. Yep. And yeah. in and particular... Alon. Well, yes, but in, in also in particular, the way that the French accent is written, because it... Yeah. Once again, it plays with, uh, you know, I'm not the world's most... Cunning linguist? I'm not a linguist at, at all, but my accents are quite terrible, and so I feel not necessarily qualified to criticize the way in sure. which they have chosen to write yeah. the Frenchman's accent, but... It, it's pretty bad. He's pretty bad. It is. <laughs> See, it's a, yeah, it's, lots of ease. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a generic way to write out accents, because I think that would be how they would also write out if it was a Spanish accent, yes. or a Mexican accent, yep. or a German accent. Yep. One thing that I did think is interesting is this is, I mentioned it's not written by Bob Haney, it's written by Len Wein and Marv Wolfman, who generally I'm pretty fond of as writers. This felt like a filler issue, and it was. Uh, but what is kind of interesting is that the hero that the Titans team up with, the Russian guy, is named Starfire, and Marv Wolfman is very well known for writing a character named Starfire who is not this Starfire. Marv Wolfen's the main writer on the new Teen Titans, the relaunch of the series. It happens mm. in the early 80s. And one of the main heroes in that is a uh, female alien princess named Coriander, who goes by the name Starfire, How who has that? orange skin and a purple bikini and long flaming hair. Hmm. And there's also another DC character named Starfire, who debuts after this fella, who is a also an alien. And it's a space barbarian story that's actually kind of cool. Hmm. It's it's weird and it's somewhat problematic from a, a number of angles, but it's it's actually a fairly fun series. It's uh, written by uh, David Michelini, who I like a lot. Huh. But yeah, you guys, if you're listening, check out the other Starfires. They're a little bit more interesting than this one. He's fine, but he's got a nice outfit. He's got a, he's actually does have a very cool outfit. He he looks a little bit like uh, there's a character named Geoforce who has a similar like goggles and upturned collar look mm -hmm. going on. He definitely looks Russian. It's a well designed outfit and it's yep. it's a good outfit and that's probably the most important thing about him. They didn't even go ahead and give him a, an accent, which I was kind of annoyed by. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, I mean, he, his only personality seems to be that he doesn't care for Americans, which. Mm -hmm. Okay, although two of the Teen Titans are not Americans and none of them bring that up. Mm -hmm. This happens all the time where it's Aqualad and Wonder Girl and Kid Flash and Robin are all called you Americans. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, two of them are. Yeah, well, maybe Atlantis and, and Paradise Island are like... Uh, you think they're colonies? More like... Um, Oh, what's Puerto Rico like a like a uh, <laughs> a, a territory? A territory. They're, no, man, they're their own... Your imperialist ways have to stop, Corey. It's my arrogant American. Oh man, things coming. Starfire the first would hate you. <laughs> you and your arrogant American ways. Yeah, I was annoyed by this issue. It, it was a very quick read. It, but like I said, it felt like a filler. And what is interesting is I'm looking forward to the next few that come out because, first of all, they're going to be drawn by Neil Adams, who mm. I'm a huge fan of, mm. and they're going to be written by Neil Adams, who. 
when he writes comic books, interesting things happen. I don't think he's a very strong writer necessarily, mm. but he wrote a comic book called Skate Man, which is one of the best worst things that I've ever read. And if any of you are listening, you should go find a copy of, of Skate Man. Only one issue came out, and it is bonkers. Skate Man. Yes, he... God, I, I don't have time to do his whole backstory, but he's a former Vietnam vet who joins a roller derby when he gets back and accidentally kills his best friend in a roller derby uh, and vows never to skate again, but it turns out his skates were rigged by bad guys who are in league with the mafia and then they kill his girlfriend and then he gets nursed back to health by this other lady who's a disco singer in a roller disco uh, and he pretends that he can't skate even though he's a super good skater. Uh, and then he puts on a mask and fights crime as Skate Man. And wow. he has a, like, I think eight-year-old sidekick named Paco, who when we first meet Paco, Paco's introductory line of dialogue is, uh, what the shit do you care, pig meat? Oh. Yeah. I um, actually remember that from your old podcast. Yeah. Well, we, we didn't actually review it. Well, a picture that you had taken I did up post, put up on your site. Then. It's a great picture. Mm. Um, it's a it's an amazing comic book. You should all check out Skate Man. But that doesn't have anything to do with this issue at all. I kind of wish we had read Skate for, Man instead. We of can this read issue. Skate Man later. Maybe we should do Skate Man for an, an April Fool's issue. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And like I said, there's only one issue, and I've just given you a little bit of a summary. So much more happens in it, mm. um, and it's all crazy. But I don't think that. Neil Adams will necessarily be stretching himself out as much in the Teen Titans issues that he writes, but I'm looking forward to seeing how they go. Likewise. This issue, on the other hand, is drawn by a guy named Bill Drott, who, again, it seems like most of the fill-in artists on Teen Titans have backgrounds in war and horror comics, and that is also the case with Bill Drought. Mm. Or Drott. D-R-A-U-T. Not sure the enunciation. But he does a very good job. Mm-hmm. It, it's... Very clean. Yeah. The cover, actually, of this is by Nick Carney and is amazing. Oh... It's a scene that doesn't really take place because it has Kid Flash and Starfire fighting in front of a subway train, which they're not actually fighting. They do get kicked in front of a subway train. And there's a weird scene where Flash, Kid Flash runs in and throws Starfire out of the way right before he gets hit by a train. And then Starfire, and then Kid Flash trips and falls down in front of the train. And then Starfire runs back and throws Kid Flash out of the way. And it's like, well, if I, I Starfire, it, why couldn't he just jump out of the way then? Yeah, I had it in my head is the timing on that being more sort of rapid fire. So, um, well, when the kid Flash is involved, everything's rapid fire indeed. or rapid star fire. Oh, snap! Yeah. Um. So Kid Flash yanks him out of the way of the train and then gets messed up himself. And then um, Starfire yanks him out of the way of the train. So it was almost like a flip-flop back and forth. I rescue you, you yeah. rescue me kind of deal. And I I get I that think that, that was what was happening, them, but the timing of it didn't make a ton of sense to me. It made them very close. It, immediately. Mm-hmm. And they had previously, those were the two that hated each other yeah. the most. Yeah, he almost called the other guy a dirty, probably Russian. Pro- probably. That's, I think, what he was going to say. Or Pinko. Um, or, like, maybe even, you know. yeah. Or, that's or, too or, racy for DC. No, they call each other Pinko. Pinko gets thrown around in these a lot. Oh, does it? I haven't Pinko seen and... 
I'm surprised, in fact, we haven't seen more, like, overtly, you know, anti-communist stuff in, in these. Like, the, the Germans definitely yeah. get their fair well, share. Well, we don't know that they were Germans, necessarily. That's true. They could be Russian. Yeah. They could, they're could. they just vaguely Eastern Europeans. Yeah, they're from somewhere. Right. Somewhere not good. But this one is specifically someone from the Soviet Union, and it is the first one that we've seen in here. And that's nice. It, it does seem, like you were saying, a filler issue also in the sense that for whatever reason, it bothered me more in this issue, that sort of formula that we have where a bad guy will do all the stuff that screws up the Titans mm-hmm. throughout the whole issue, and then at the end they get their shit together and they and they kick butt. And yeah, but there isn't any real catalyst for them doing better at the end. None whatsoever. Like, I mean, I guess maybe now that they respect Starfire more, they trust him and they don't get in the way but it really is mostly just robin no, by himself he, he says it's just time is for like, me to give a speech yeah, and... he gets his he gets his butt kicked and then he gives a speech and then he kicks the other guy's butt mm-hmm. he does give kind of a cool speech that's basically his whole speech is like you need to grow the fuck up you keep calling us children you're a child mm-hmm. i hate you yeah and that that really comes to a sort of a crescendo too where uh leblanc is um constantly like towards the end his his like uh your children rhetoric or or infants (laughs) yeah that's when it really heats up right yeah and they that just pushes the kids over the uh the edge and they and it's lame to keep calling somebody children while you're trying to kill them and beat them yeah i'm gonna throw grenades at you yeah stupid kid here's a grenade yeah or and I will say this for LeBlanc. He has a mean face kick, and he kicks a bunch of the Titans in the face. It's much more efficient. Don't yeah, but it's a savant sing? kick. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that was very good, Corey. Your Thank accent you. is improving. Greatly. I've been working. That's not true. It shows. Thanks. So Starfire, I, I, would, I just want to get it out. He has such generic superpowers, which is something that bothers me. And, like, I don't know why they bothered including his Excellent. origin. I think it was, it seemed like, uh, this will take up a couple pages, but it's so like he finds a spaceship, mm-hmm. and then he sees a button, so he pushes the button, <laughs> yeah, and then he's strong and fast. Mm-hmm. And then it's just that he's strong and fast. It's not a very imaginative power. Nope. Oh, I was just gonna say I did though at the outset of this comic learn something that I found fascinating. That... Is it about Stockholm? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> is it the fact that it is the teenage capital of the world? I didn't know that. I had no idea they should advertise better. Yeah. They'll get the teens of the world to <laughs> <know>. visit. <laughs> yeah, that really did amuse me. That th- There were a couple of things on the first page. What That I was like, oh, maybe this will be okay. Mm-hmm. But then there really wasn't any, like, teenness there was about no this issue. whatsoever. Why is it the teenage capital? Probably because they have such a nice jewelry mart. Yeah. Which I, mm-hmm. I think I said in the synopsis, I, I just assume that's some kind of, like, convenience store for jewels. Yeah. Yeah, head down to the jewelry mart, pick up a couple diamonds. Yeah, I'm in the. You need anything going there? Awesome. Need uh maybe get get a couple of emerald hand handful of emeralds. Yeah, yeah. Pocket full of rubies. Yeah, maybe a topaz. Ooh, yeah, maybe some turquoise. Uh, Ah, you gotta have to go to the semi jewel mart for that. (laughs) Yeah. Or semi-precious. You're, you're going to have to go to the Southwestern Jewel Mart. To oh, man. The silver and turquoise. I hate the Southwestern Jewel Mart. What you need is a nice bolo tie, my friend. Oh, man. Turquoise and silver. Mm-hmm. Looking good. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the other thing that bothered me on the the opening page is the, teen, the font that it says Teen Titans in. Mm. It looks very like Saturday morning cartoon. Mm-hmm. It, it's Which... Interestingly enough, the Teen Titans did at this point have a Saturday morning cartoon. Oh, really? There are only a few episodes of it. They would think it was part of the Batman or the the Aquaman something else hour, but mm. 
Robin couldn't appear on that because he was tied into the Batman rights, mm-hmm. which were on a different channel. So they replaced mm-hmm. him in the cartoon with Speedy. Curious. Yeah. But it, it, it didn't fit with it. And it felt like the whole issue was written a little bit younger. Like they didn't really have a grasp of what Titan stuff had come before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also didn't start with the... Um the the mysterious radio message or fan mail or the the, the past few though have not started with them kinda, hanging out in their it. lair i miss their lair mm-hmm. i want them to hang out in their their secret lair and listen to records mm-hmm. yeah hang out yeah man get uncomfortable when yeah get uncomfortable and have to go do some work go have to work out for two days we when need that's what yes. we need deep knee bends that'll <laughs> set us straight lads <laughs> So, the other thing, though, that I did like about LeBlanc is the bad guy. He, yeah. Is his, his motive, or almost, like, le- it's, so his activity clearly is criminal. He's stealing yep. shit. But the reason he's stealing it is not to sell it or to make money. It's just because he wants to have a, a nice jewel collection. <laughs> yeah. I do like that about him. There's a lot about LeBlanc that is to be recommended like i said there's a character <laughs> named batrock the leaper who is a french guy who kicks a lot in marvel comics who mm. i'm not even sure of the time frame it could be that this is before i don't think it is i think batrock was well established at this point which was what i didn't like about leblanc mm-hmm. but leblanc himself eh, he's arrogant mm-hmm. he like he kicks a lot of titans in the face mm-hmm. um he's a good kicker He's a good kicker. He he's yeah, he's wonderfully arrogant and has like that Riddler thing where he's like, Yes, I'm going to commit this crime, but first I'm going to send you a letter taunting you and telling you you'll never stop me from committing this mm-hmm. crime. Which I appreciate. I feel like they could have given him a code name. Mm. Very few of the Titans villains so far have had like have been super villains and have had cool names. Captain Tiger. Captain Tiger was good. Separated Man was okay. What's the Zocatan guy? El Conquistador. Eh. And then that was just like a guy mm. who had a regular name. Conquistador was the name of the giant robot. It's really... The only two really good ones have been the Mad Mod and... Uh, Don't forget Meester Tweester. <laughs> Meester Tweesters. Sorry, I keep talking like LeBlanc. That's okay. I can't stop. Ah, just don't call me an infant. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm not being fair, because there is, of course, Ding Dong Daddy Dowd. Oh, true. And the Gargoyle. Mm -hmm. So I guess they have had had a few. There's a fair amount of cool names. Okay, but very few recurring villains. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that... I don't think that... I don't think that Matt LeBlanc's dad makes it back. Uh, <laughs> that's where he gets his his handsome looks. <laughs> oh, and he is handsome. He's so handsome. He's so handsome, he makes himself see. <laughs> that is, yeah. I didn't make that up, folks. That's that's it's some literal typical dialogue. Typical LeBlanc. I will say his death traps needed a little bit of work. I don't know, that, that was chandelier kinda, looked pretty terrifying. It the chandelier a, was pretty good. It was a pointy chandelier that was going to drop on Robin. And make him a red mess. Robin red mess. So, like, Robin red breast, but... I was trying to parse that. Like, it was not a great pun. Okay. Yeah, frankly, Andre LeBlanc is capable of better work. Yeah. And I think he's capable of better work than... At least, okay, some thought went into that. He designed this whole electronic ray that is somehow wired to dynamite. To it's tie up Flash. Kid Flash. Mm-hmm. And he, but he ties up Wonder Girl. He just grabs her lasso, wraps it around her, and then jams one end into an electrical socket. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think would do anything. And his explanation of it doesn't really make sense. 
It, if somebody it, turns on the light, then it'll kill her. I thought about this, and so I recently moved into a house that was constructed in, I think, 1980. Okay. And so there was a thing where the some of the rooms don't have lamps, don't have overhead lights. Oh, so the light switch will turn on the electrical it's, it's outlet? It's connected to the outlet. Mm-hmm. Okay. But even then, if you were to... Yeah, I guess you... Yeah, you could just stick a fork in that outlet and be fine until some asshole comes along and flips the switch. <laughs> Finally! I <laughs> just stick a fork in an outlet and be fine. Yeah, you know, it keeps, uh, what do you call, bending your plugs? Just your chance to straighten the outlet out. What? Nothing. So, okay, no, I see what you mean. All right. <laughs> that took me a minute. It was stupid. But, again, and this, I think I took I the most... I guess that could work. D- no, no, don't do it. The The most issue that I had with that scene was Wonder Girl is ostensibly the most powerful of the bunch. Yeah. She can fly, she can pick up super heavy Maybe shit. she has some weakness to her own lasso. Like, it's a really good yeah. lasso. Yeah, but, like, so she tries to lasso the guy. He grabs the other end of it and then wraps it around her and sticks it in the outlet. Like that yeah, and seems... then she's like, now if somebody comes in, you'll get electrocuted she looks so bummed she's she's on her knees all like tied up and she's yeah. just like oh man how did this happen? i did a bad job i did awful but the lamest trap that he has is for aqualad who i felt really bad for in this i was worried about aqualad well it, it and it's it's specifically for him in that if he doesn't get water within the hour he's gonna die mm-hmm. which seriously i've said it before get a fucking canteen guy or a sponge. Carry a sponge around with you. Really anything. Yeah. That has water. That... A pipette. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a Ziploc bag. Sure. With yeah. some moist paper towels in it. Like, it could be anything. Yeah. Have a pelican sidekick. <laughs> that was not going to help his case whatsoever. Who could fill his bill with I, water? No, I understand yeah. that. That would it would help him in the sense that the pelican could carry water. But man, he's not going to get any respect. I think the other titans. For, I think you um, would have a lot of respect if you had a pelican a friend. Just a pelican. Pelicans are very fierce. Pooping everywhere. Well, yeah. you get a trained pelican. Obviously, if he's going to be able to carry water, pelican wearing a you got to house break your. No, don't give him a diaper. He can use the toilet like a grown pelican. Oh, man. <laughs> Aqualad, your pelican's in the toilet again. Yeah, where he belongs if he's going to the bathroom. Which is it? Do you want the pelican shitting everywhere? Or do you want to sometimes have to wait a minute before you take a dump, Corey? Oh, boy. That's one of life's tough decisions. I'm not prepared to answer really that. Is. But, so the whole trap that Aqualad gets caught in is he follows him and then... Basically, LeBlanc closes the door behind him and he gets stuck in an air vent. Which yeah. is the most embarrassing of the well, he, traps. He literally he like screws the vents back on. And Aqualad also has sea-strengthened legs. He's so. very strong. He could bust uh, like, that Like open. four or five Phillips head yeah. screws or whatever whatever they use in Stockholm. Yeah. They're probably some oh, that's metric, maybe that's the issue. Metric screws. Yeah. Um, they have little triangles and uh, like coexist symbols on <laughs> heads of them. Moons and stars. <laughs> and clovers. <laughs> Wait, no, that's Ireland. Uh, they can still have them. We're way off base. You're right. I'm sorry, <laughs> Stockholm. <laughs> Teenage capital of the world. Yeah, we got your sugar cereal mixed up with... Anyway. 
Oh, do they have a sugar cereal in Stockholm? I was just it reminded me of Lucky Charms. What you know what they saying? used to have that I used to love? Hmm. The Swedish chef used to have his own cereal. Really? Uh, that was in the late it late eighties, maybe early nineties. That was called Crunchy Stars, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a cinnamon flavored candy uh, uh, candy uh, cinnamon flavored cereal that I really liked. That's Crunchy Stars. That sounds delicious. Yeah, and, yeah, and to... it was spelled with two O's, and I think they had umlauts or something. But it was Crunchy Stars. I had to explain um, Swedish Chef to somebody the other day. They did. They had never seen him on the Muppets. How old were they? They were like grown-ups, but they were uh, from not from here. Oh, and uh, well, neither is the Swedish Chef. <laughs> well, he's from Sweden. And uh, so I showed them the video of the one where he's making the flapjacks and they stick to the ceiling, and he yeah. has to shoot them with the blunderbuss to get them. Yeah, it's hilarious. Great. It's great. It holds up, and across all cultures mm-hmm. yep yep there was a except maybe sweden <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's that's true maybe in sweden he's just called the regular chef and mm-hmm. it's just like yes that is how we cook mm-hmm. Let's throw a pancake on the ceiling <laughs> shoot it now shoot it with a blunderbuss we call them able skivers but they're delicious Ooh, able skivers are delicious mm. they're golf ball shaped pancakes yeah i wonder if you, or, can, make I guess any can you make them in a muffin tin no you need a special pan i have an able skiver pan yeah i have some uh, Bob's Red Mill Able Skiver Mix. Ooh, we should make Able Skivers. Next time. All right. All right, fair listeners. We will have Able Skivers at some point. I know you've been waiting with bated breath <laughs> for us to get to the <laughs> point. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Minor detour. Uh, oh, what the hell were we talking oh, about? The Stockholm. crunchy stars. Well, oh, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Lame trap. <laughs> I was, he's sweating and he's banging on it like, yeah. he's really worried, man. But fortunately, Starfire is just going, or trailing along behind everybody and just letting people out of traps as he Straight goes. Straight creeping, though. Nice. Yeah, yeah, he's a good stalker. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's one of his generic superpowers that he got, his stealth. Yeah. It is confusing, though, because it is always presented that there are four jewels that he's going to steal. And they're the four crown jewels. But then... He only ends up, I think, getting one of them. At the end, there's only one jewel that he throws into the sewer that Aqualad goes and gets. Mm, maybe there's four jewels on the one crown, because it's the whole crown. But they're split up. Like, each titan was supposed to be guarding one jewel. And I don't think he gets one from where Aqualad was. So maybe he only got one of them. Uh. It's. I think they just forgot that they had set it up that way. Mm-hmm. It's Again, I am ragging on... Ween and Wolfman a lot. And they are good writers. They have written a lot of things that I like. Mm-hmm. I think they had maybe not hit their stride really yet. But Le- Len Ween did, like, he was the one of the creators of Swamp Thing. And... Venerable. Yeah, and is, is a really good writer. And, and Wolfman has done some wonderful stuff, too. I'm, I'm a fan of his. Pretty awesome last name, too. Yeah, I know. I really... I, I want him to write more... I, I thought that he had written more issues of Werewolf by Night than he had. I think he wrote one. <laughs> but I was just like, I assumed he was the regular writer of it because his name is Wolfman. Of course. Yeah. Do you know that werewolves have purple pee? Uh, yeah. Why do I know that? I probably told you at some point. Maybe? Yeah. Did I? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I feel like I should know why. Well, it's actually, there was a disease that that is a symptom of that some of the symptoms would lead people to believe that it was tied somehow to werewolf mythology. Like you would have a hairier face and maybe your, I think your gums would be shrunken up, which would make it look like you would have longer canines. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I forget. It's like Porphyria or something like that that they think might be tied to early werewolf mythology. A.K.A. Lycanthropy? Yeah. Dude, I hope I never pee purple. Yeah, me too. If you do, I'll tie you up when there's a full moon. Thanks. No problem. That's what brothers are for. Glad to hear it. At the very end of it, Starfire gives a little speech that I'm just going to read the speech. It's not a terrible speech, but it's also like, wait, when did you learn these things that you claim to have learned during this? It was when they rescued each other. They had the tandem. Okay, when they had the tandem subway throw rescue. Wrestle bro. I mean, rescue. They're now best friends. And Starfire, looking super serious, says, No matter what else you Americans may be, you have taught me something. That all men, regardless of their belief, must learn to live together. For when your ideologies and mine have long since turned to dust, man must still survive. Mm. It's an okay speech. But what's really funny to me about it is after he gives that speech, then the last panel of the thing is just there's no dialogue and it's them just waving at each other as he gets on the plane mm-hmm. and it just looks awkward mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of just like oh he, he says all that and then they just stand there and it's like okay well bye yeah <laughs> see ya have fun in Siberia yeah it's like that thing where you're at a party and you've said goodbye to everybody and mm-hmm. then your ride isn't ready to leave mm-hmm. so you're just like alright don't want to hug everybody again mm-hmm. guess I'll just stand here in the kitchen yeah. trying to look unobtrusive yeah that's yeah and i i feel like that's what's happening yeah so that is uh teen titans number 18 yep kind of a disappointment i miss bob haney i will say bob haney's not going to be writing the next few issues he does come back at uh, at some point he writes a few issues in the mid-20s and then Mm. robert kaniger takes over for a little while and then bob haney comes back on later as well so we will see more of haney we will see more of nick cardi too excellent not for a little bit and Mm. It's weird to have a Teen Titans issue that's not written by Bob Haney because there hadn't been one yet. Mm. Yep. Yeah, it definitely had a different feel to it. Is there any artwork that stood out in particular as being cool, delightful to you? Um, There is a whole sequence where LeBlanc is planning his robbery that I enjoyed, including one where he's just using a protractor uh, to make a little circle on a blueprint that he's doing. I, I liked that. Mm. There's, they really stretched out a bunch of his, like, there's like four panels of him just sitting in front of some blueprints saying, hmm. And then, yeah, his early heist stuff, early on in the heist, there's, it feels like filler, but it, it's well drawn and I like it. It's, all of the artwork is, is very competent, but doesn't really stand out to me very much. Mm. I think you liked it a little bit more than I did. Yeah, I liked how clean everything was. And, and I also appreciated that particular series and of panels um, where he's planning the heist. And the last one in particular stood out to me. I call it LeBlanc's triumph because he is, um, he's, he finally stands up and he's grasping these blueprints and it look, his mouth is open super wide and he's like shouting like soon the crown jewels will be mine. It is funny too, because he's, even though he's alone in his room doing his work, he doesn't really have like a super villain outfit. He just has like a cat burglar suit and then a stocking mask that he's wearing over it. But he wears it all the time, even when he's all by himself. It's like the um, Blue Beetle kind of, but without that kind of cowl, without, but with no goggles. I think it's goggles. just a ski mask. Mm. Oh, it does show his, his his prominent nose and his bushy mustache. It does, and he's so handsome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about you? What artwork stood out to you? 
Um, that was if I had to pick a favorite panel, it's probably, but you do. It's probably it's, it's probably <laughs> LeBlanc's triumph. Um, okay, and and there's a follow up, which is a scene where uh, Wonder Girl snags the grenade that they throw at her, and then she like throws it down something that looks like is a it just where covers. she's hunching over and saying she's, has her fingers yeah. in her ears and is saying it says bang over mm-hmm. her head. Yeah, and she just That's looks nice. so like cross. My favorite panel is and the artwork's in it is okay, but I I just have to go with it because of the dialogue that's in it is when Robin is fighting LeBlanc uh, at, the end. at the end. And, okay, so there's a couple of panels in a row that are in contention for me. There's one where Aqualad emerges triumphant from the sewer holding a crown in his hand. I had on page 21, I, I entitled yep. that one, Happy Aqualad. Yeah, and that's nice to see. It actually reminds me of the one in the previous the issue where Kid Flash is holding the scepter I'm and the saying, I'm the king of May! <laughs> um, at the same thought. But the panel right after that is after he pops up and is like, yeah, I got that. Wonder how Robin's doing. Mm-hmm. He's like, Robin's not doing so good. Mm-hmm. And LeBlanc is throwing a garbage pail at him. And Robin is crouched and thinking, who boy, a garbage pail coming at me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Like that is the biggest problem he has ever faced. He's a little bit off his game in the yeah. beginning. So I, I think one of those two is probably my favorite panel. Garbage pail coming at me. <laughs> garbage pail <laughs> oh. coming at me. Oh, jeez. Not a garbage pail. Mm. Um, so that, that one's fun. And then actually later later on in the, on that page, it's a banner page. Mm. Is Because then, then LeBlanc punches him in the face and says, I've enjoyed playing this game with you. And then Robin grabs him by the collar and says, it's no game! Oh, yeah, he doesn't care for that. No, he doesn't care for that at That's all. That's the same page in which Aqualad's sensibilities are offended by the sewer water. Yeah, he's like, I like water, but I'd rather not swim in a sewer. Yeah. It's it's smelly. Poor Aqualad, Jesus, man. He's got a... Give the guy some clean water. A rough lot in life. Mm. Yes. Uh, so what was your favorite dialogue? My favorite dialogue was, I think, the middle part of the speech that Robin gives at the at the, kind of at the end when he hits his stride and he, he just starts beating the crap out of out of uh, leblanc and um he starts it with the um your balloon has burst and the hot air blah 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 yes your balloon has burst and all the hot air that has kept you afloat is gone like dust in the wind <laughs> that is a hell of a mixed metaphor Robin. and and i started to hear that uh who was it sticks or kansas who kansas saying that yeah, Dustin, yeah. <laughs> i started humming oh, yeah maybe that's where they got the idea <laughs> that's, yeah could have been yeah, no, he he gets going with that, and he says he, the the rest of it too. What is he? He follows it up with, "You're a waste, meaner. LeBlanc, a miserable waste." And like all your kind, when it comes to putting up, you're a nothing. Yeah, yeah, damn, yeah. I see. I generally like my speech to contain some some teen slang, but my favorite dialogue there is wasn't actually a lot. Was there though? There wasn't like any. I couldn't find any. They don't even beers. call Robin Robino, yeah. which I, I miss. Uh, or Aqualadio. Aqualad does refer to himself as a lad, though. Well, yeah, at one that's point. nice. That's kind of cool. Yeah, light on this. But thing. my favorite. So my favorite dialogue is when LeBlanc is fighting Wonder Girl, and it's really all of it. I'm just gonna read. It. It's like over three panels, but it's a Ah, ma chère, what a waste! A beautiful child such as yourself fighting me. What is a and she, so help me if you say a nice girl like you doing in a place like this, I'll really clobber you. <laughs> and LeBlanc responds by saying, and this is my favorite part, Everywhere the women rush to me. Ah, I am so handsome. It makes me sick. 
<laughs> and then he ties her up. And uh, and he goes, it makes me feel so bad, my lovely child. But if somebody opens the light, the current will go through your lasso and you will die. Mm. He does feel bad. About yeah, if somebody opens that light. Yeah. That's just that's, that's how they say it in French, I guess. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So who is your favorite Titan? Uh, I'm. It somewhat pains me to say it, but I got to go with Robin. Um, not only because he so handily kicks LeBlanc's butt at the end, but there is a scene in which he he punches him in the in the face, and there's a series of, of puns about watches and time. Yeah. That, and I, I always like it when they try and work a little humor into their violence. Yeah, that's nice. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to um to Robin. Ah uh, I guess I'm going Starfire. I mean I guess he's an ancillary Titan, but he lets them all out of their traps and he learns a lesson and makes a speech. They couldn't have know. done it without him. Ostensibly. No they couldn't have. They would be all locked up still. Trapped. Yeah. Like rats in a cage. Mm. Despite all of their rage. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's uh, Teen Titans number 18 for you. Yep. It was okay, but we learned a lot about Skate Man. And we learned that Stockholm is the teenage capital of the world. And we learned that we need to put our ideologies aside, because even when they're dust... We learned a lot about dust, actually. Mm -hmm. There's two dust. The two dust metaphors. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good issue. Yep, yep. The species must go on. Yep. Life will find a way. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that. Yeah, if, uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that would be nice. Somebody, uh, left us a one-star review, which made me sad. Aww. And they didn't say anything. Like, there's no even constructive criticism, which I also don't like. Um, <laughs> but there wasn't even that. It was, I was like, oh, apparently you hate us and you won't tell me why. Well, it's the internet. Yeah, that's right. I need to remind myself that. But if you want to make us feel better and, you know, help us out, help people find us, if we have a higher review and we have more ratings, then more people will listen to the show. There's probably some kind of a logarithm going on. More people will know about Skate Man and, and yeah. Dust. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want everybody in the world to be stupid about Dust and Skate Man and Pelicans? Because they're living in a world of ignorance right now. So we're doing our little bit. We're doing the best that we can. With what we have. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy. Yeah.